You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is the Power Hour. I've got Ethan and John with me from Pittsburgh Power. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance. Engines, performance, fuel mileage, modifications, upgrades, horsepower, torque, emissions, electrical, new technology, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to your calls in just a little bit. Ethan, John, welcome. Good to be here, Kevin. Thanks. Good to be here again. Is uh, Bruce playing? Uh, he's uh, off running around, not joining us today again? He, he, he's out having his uh, blood centrifuged or something like that. So. <laughs> All right. We'll, uh, we'll give him a pass today, I guess. So, uh, anything new and exciting okay. over there this week? Uh, not on my end. I don't know, do you have anything there, Ethan? Uh, not too much exciting going on. Ethan was sick for half of the last week, so uh, we were struggling without him. So he's a little overtaxed now. Yeah, making it back this week. Yeah, well, good. Glad you're back amongst the living. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to uh, start a drive. We should just shut down the country between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Nobody does any work anyway. <laughs> I'm fine with that. It's, we do have a, we, we do have a little flurry of business right now. It seems that uh, some of our guys have done fairly well this year and have a little money to get rid of. Uh, getting the request to have the uh, invoicing done on the uh, 31st at the latest. So, uh, so that's a good thing. I think that's a good sign for, uh, for how, how our guys are doing. So that, that makes me happy. That is good. You know, and I've been talking about that on the air. I do this every year. At the end of the year, if you're in business, everybody hates to pay taxes. We're eventually going to pay them, but the longer I can put them off, the better. So I tell people, look at the first quarter of next year and accelerate anything you can into this year. You know, get it on the books this year. It's even more important now. Because it does look like that tax bill is going to go through. We, we should know by tomorrow. And if it does, your deduction is going to be worth less next year. So you might as well get it this year. So you get it sooner and it's going to be a bigger deduction. So I've been uh, telling people to, to look at that. You know, and it's a good time. It's going to slow down for the holidays. Take time off. Get your truck in the shop. Get it done. Um, you guys will have to be busy during the holidays. But just have to deal with it yeah we're fine with that yeah yep yeah quiet stuff afterwards as i recall last year january got really quiet so uh a little flurry of activity down then we'll, we'll we'll take a break later that's fine by me yeah there you go so i i've been busy wrapping up the year and i haven't been doing as much reading and research couple big things i saw on the electric side which is you know kind of the hot topic right now one that uh company with that crazy looking truck that came out of nowhere they now claim they're going to beat tesla to market that's kind of interesting although theirs is a much shorter range 300 miles they uh well and they seem a little more practical about it all right so they, they do claim a huge torque number which is possible but they uh 
you know, they're, they've taken Tesla's first concept. Remember they talked about the switchable batteries, maybe the battery being part of a trailer and, uh, you know, have batteries at certain places being charged that swap in. So these guys have adopted that. That seems to be their uh, uh, their deal, which, which will involve some infrastructure, too. So I'm, it's going to be really specialized at first. But, uh, yeah, the Thor thing, that, that uh, I found that was interesting. And they didn't build a whole truck either. They just bought some – basically bought a glider kit from uh, – uh, Navistar and uh, did their own own body work on the front of it and then added all their stuff to it. So um, yeah, interesting. You know, that that seems more practical and very obtainable right now. So let's see what happens with it. Yeah, yeah. And then I I sent you a link. Uh, pretty interesting. Um, some research being done that they're really close to believing they could triple the current range with some new battery technology. Oh, that stuff's growing rapidly. It's, the, the battery technology is really what's going to drive all of this. Yeah, and the motor technology, too. You can't discount that. You know, I saw you know, one of my trips to Hylion. I saw a, uh, they were experimenting with a 400-horsepower motor that was about the size of a half keg of beer. Oh, you know, there was not a whole lot wow. to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So that's, uh, that was really about all I saw this week. Um you know, there, there's so much going on, though, so much changing. It's uh, it's going to be a really interesting 2018. ELD mandate went in yesterday, and all I saw on Facebook was how many of the ELD company servers crashed. Um, nothing like everybody <laughs> waiting until the last minute. Um, you know, we knew this two years ago. And I was, I was, and even the, right. even the people that got on board early though suffered yesterday because they've been working this out. They've tried different mm. systems. They settled on one they liked. It's been working just fine until yesterday when everybody got on board and I saw two or three ELD providers whose servers seemed to be down. Nobody could connect. So, uh, it was looking a little ugly. Yeah. I saw I saw that article too. I thought that was kind of funny, but you know it's money, right? So everybody went the last minute to buy. I can't tell you how many people had called me or the friends of mine in uh, racing who were wondering what ELD to buy for their truck. And I'd done a little bit of research. I, I kind of really like the VDO. I, I think that looks like a really nice piece. And the uh, you know so everybody waited to buy. So you guarantee these companies probably didn't upgrade in the way in the way they knew they needed to because they didn't want to spend the money because. You know, people aren't buying the things until the very last minute. So it was a snowball effect of that, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it were it was the companies who had done some of that last minute marketing everybody was talking about. I saw a lot of people jumping on board a couple different platforms. Those are the ones that were down. Um, you know what? And we deal with technology here. Uh, a lot and we know how hard it is you know we'll we'll put out an app or an update and there'll be a bug and you know it drives lisa crazy she's like why can't we get this right and i'll say wait a minute you know apple has what like a billion dollars in the bank they're the most successful company ever on the history of the planet and they release a new operating system and within hours they have to put out updates because something was wrong that's just technology. Yeah. That, that's just how it works. It, it, there's too many variables, too many. You, you can test and test and test and test, and it's not going to matter. The, the minute you release it, somebody's going to find something you didn't find. And then you do updates, and that's just the world we live in with technology. I just don't know that that's going <laughs> to change anytime soon. It's not going to. Nope. 
That's how development happens. You got to got to run it. You got to put the car together and you got to go run it and see what it does, right? So, yeah. And then uh, then you'll know what to fix. Yeah. So you know, wait till these electric trucks hit the market. We're going to see this kind of stuff. You're going to see problems. You know, people are saying, "Oh, wait till they hit the road. They're going to break down." Well, yeah, they are. Of course, they are. But so do our trucks today, and we've been working on them for about a century. So, you know. <laughs> Things break. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, this is my opinion only. Uh, I, I have those. I believe they're going to be simpler than the, the current trucks with the, uh, you know, after treatment systems and all the complicated systems on the current trucks. I really believe the electric are going to be a whole lot simpler. They're probably going to cost a whole lot less to build. And I believe that they will be, you know, there's going to be a computer on there that does a whole lot of stuff and there's going to be some wiring, but you know, that there'll be complicated programs and complicated things within that. But I really believe that with the, uh, you know, the regenerative braking, you're not going to have as big, they won't have the wear and tear on the drive line that you have now. You're not going to have, uh, yeah, for them to be more reliable and actually simpler. I think there'll be fewer things to break on them. There'll be way fewer, there'll be way less moving parts. That's for sure. Yeah. So, which means it, it yes, they might break down, but the, the, Types of breakdowns are going to be very, very similar, so they're going to be easier to figure out and fix. You're not going to be dealing with so many different possibilities of things that could go wrong because they are pretty darn simple. I tell people all the time, if you want to get your head around this, stop in at one of the Tesla stores in the mall and just look at the chassis they have sitting there. And when you first look at it, you think, why do they have a frame sitting on the floor? But it's not just the frame. It's 90% of the vehicle. You stick it's a body. Everything. It's everything. Yeah. You stick a body yep. on that thing and you're done. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so it'll be software glitches. It'll be computer things. It's going to be stuff like that, but it won't be uh, you know, stuff breaking, wires breaking. I guarantee there'll be a whole lot less wiring in one, even though it's like electronic. I mean, if you look at the harnesses and the things we have now. Yeah, there's no way the wiring harnesses are going to be as complicated as the ones we have now. So all the after treatment wiring. Yeah, yeah, it's going to have one big screen that tells you everything. Is you're not going to have all the gauges. You're not going to have everything under the sun. There, it's going to be really simple. I really do. I'm expecting the diagnostics to be really cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they will be. <laughs> yeah, I bet they will be. Hey, there's the music. We're going to get to a break. When we come back, we're going to get to your calls and questions. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. It is the power hour. I've got Ethan and John with me. We're going to get to your calls here in just a minute. John, you know, you and I have been talking about all this new technology and mostly around trucks, but electric. So I was looking at Teslas again and seeing what they've been up to. And I hardly ever buy new vehicles. I mean, I, I, I don't even think I've bought four new cars. I used to buy a lot of new trucks. Um, But cars, it just seemed to make so much more sense. Let somebody else take that big hit in the first year, get the bugs worked out, and I'll buy it with eight or 10,000 miles on it, keep it forever, Um, which is what I've got now. I've got a bunch of cars I've had, you know, a decade or more. And we keep talking about all this technology, and I got the bug. So I was out looking at new cars, and it is just amazing, the technology and what's becoming standard on a lot of models. Now, you know, you got to move up maybe to one of the luxury brands, but their standard models have, you know, almost everybody now has lane departure, automatic braking, some sort of parking exists, you know, 360 cameras, um, just 
crazy amounts of technology that, again, basically standard on a lot of models. So, you know, this stuff just doesn't cost a whole lot. No, it doesn't. Not a whole lot to it. It's pretty amazing. I'm a lot of, you know, the rental cars I've had recently with the uh, cruise control, with the adaptive cruise, I think it's terrific. That that just blows me away. And some of them, I think, are a little overkill. I was watching a commercial for, like, (laughs) it was a new Chevy, and they have rear seat reminder. Oh, like yeah. you kind of forgot your kid in the back and left him in there while he went to the store or something. Oh, no way. I haven't seen that. Really? Rear seat reminder. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. I wasn't yeah. quite sure what it was for, but it was called rear seat reminder. I'm like, like you forgot about your kid back there? Or, uh... That must be what it is. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I was just laughing when I heard that one. Yeah. It was on a Chevy. Well, yeah. You know, if you watch the pattern of these kind of things, the, the the American brands tend to, like you just said, it's almost over the top. They'll tend to load up on all kinds of crazy features where, you know, some of the European brands or even the Japanese tend to use what's practical. You know, they, they don't just dump everything possible. Like I, there's one Chevy commercial where they stack up like six different other SUVs and say, if you wanted all the technology that's in the Chevy, you'd have to buy all six of these cars. But it's it's goofy stuff like that. Like, yeah, your your dog's still in the back seat. Right. You know, do I really need that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, crazy stuff but it but again it, it's happening really fast i mean stuff that a couple of years ago we thought was really out there um becoming pretty standard on a lot of models now so i i was pleasantly surprised at some of the stuff that's available but um it's going to be an interesting time so what do you say we get some phone calls absolutely all right let's head off to mississippi edward welcome to the program Hello. What can I help you with today? Hello. Hello. Hey, I um, I have a '96 uh, W900 with a Detroit motor. Um, I think Ethan's the one that did the programming on it. Um, with uh, Hurt and uh, Phoenix. Um. I need to know what kind of transmission I should get and because um, I can't change out the gearing in the rear end. And Kurt was telling me that uh, the um, the gears may have been changed from the originals. So I would like to know if you could tell me what kind of gears I got. We should probably be able to come there, pretty I'd close. Have to... oh, go ahead, Ethan. There's a couple ways we can do that. Um, I can look and see what the program would have said, and we can go from there. So you'll have to give me a call because I'm not at my computer where I have that at. Um, after the show, give me a call there, and I'll look it up for you. And what That's only as good as though is what somebody put in the ECM. The best way to do it would be to like mark the drive shaft and mark the tires and then do a rotation and count the rotations, and it'll get you pretty close. Oh, uh, well... I heard that uh, Kevin could do, uh, like, 
I'm at 64 miles an hour. I can come pretty close. Yeah, what? Let's let's go through the numbers, and I can usually come pretty close. What um, we we don't know the rear ends. Do we? Yes, we have to have so many of the variables. We'll have to guess. You've got a double overdrive transmission. Is it a 10 or a 13 speed? No. No. It's a 10 speed single overdrive. Well. You, it, it's a point seven three. Yeah, that gets a little tricky. We call it a single overdrive, but it's the same gear ratio as a thirteen speed double. It's, it's, it's a double. Not, yeah. yeah, you only have one overdrive. You have gear. a big old drop between ninth and tenth. Yeah, so we'll we'll go with that because that's pretty standard. What tire size? Eleven R twenty two five. Okay, I just and change the mouth. And give me a speed and an RPM that you know. Uh, 64 miles an hour, 1,600 RPMs. Um, either 370s, somewhere between 370 and 390. It could be the 370s, the 373s. It might even be 390s, though, with 11R to be at that high of an RPM. I think those might be 390s. Yeah, I'm going with 390. Yeah. Because it's supposed to come with 370s, but uh, a friend of mine was telling me that he doesn't think so. And then Kurt was saying that they could have changed them. Yeah, clearly a truck that old, you always look at the possibility they've been changed. And it sounds like it's closer to 390. Which okay? Now why um, can't you change well, the Why can't you change the gear and the Why can't you change the I, gears? I just don't have the money for it. But do you need okay. a transmission? Yeah. Is that why we're asking about a transmission? Do you need one? Um. Yeah, I can get my hands on a thirteen-speed or a uh, fifteen. You know, the 15s are just a little odd. Um, they have, you know, pretty weird ratios in them. I, with 390s, I don't know why you just wouldn't. If you have to get a transmission and you can't change gears, uh, I would go with uh, a 13-speed double over. You'll be fine. Your, your top gear RPMs are going to be exactly the same. It's going to be the same. Yeah, but you're going to have the ability to split a couple gears, so it'll it'll make it more drivable. So... What would it bring my RPMs down if I change the tranny? It, it won't at it won't. all. It's going to be exactly you've the already, same. You, yeah, you've already got the biggest overdrive. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah, 390 yeah, gears are just direct, low. And you don't realize it, in which case, yeah, yeah. Then we, if it's a 10 direct, we'd have to have some really weird gear ratio in there, like 290s, uh, 293s, somewhere around there. I kind right. of doubt that. Um so no, I, 264s are great with that. We, uh, I, I've been educated here recently. Steve Crone's truck's still in the shop here, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, so going through some of his philosophies and such, he's got 264s and a 10 Direct. That 10 Direct is actually quite a nice transmission. It's got a huge range. It's got a really low first and a really low reverse, and top gear is direct. So it's got a really nice spreads in between. And uh, so for the 264 setup, it's great because 10th gear is actually just direct. There's no, yeah. uh, you don't have to go through any overdrives or, or through any auxiliaries to get to it. 
Yeah. And it works out really well. So we took that transmission and we have all the gears and everything out in, uh, at WPC in California, having all the metal treatments done to them. So we'll see how that thing rolls when it gets back. Ah, interesting. So don't, when I can do the gears, um, uh, don't go with the 255s. With that Series 60, I wouldn't go that high. Um, I would stick it. 264 works well with that engine, but we don't want to go much higher than that. Okay. You can even do a 273 with that engine. It works really well, especially if you've got a double overdrive. I kind of prefer going with the 273 because I know I have two more gears up there when I need them. It's just a little bit more startability, but it's really not a big issue. We've done 264s many, many, many times. They work great, but I wouldn't go higher than that. Okay. Would that the 264s work on this 10 to get the RPMs down? Yes. They. Oh, no, wait a yeah, it's a ten-speed oh, overdrive. Yeah, you, you'll run in nine. You'll to, you'll, right. Yeah, you'll have to uh, run in ninth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. With that ten-speed, okay. you would run in um, ninth, and you would have a really, really big overdrive. Um, that's almost useless, but it's there. If you're Bob Taylor or empty, sometimes it works. We'll be right back. We'll. Uh, I'll come back to you, Edward. Make sure we get that answered for you. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I'm going to head back to Mississippi. Uh, Edward, does that help? Yeah, I sure did. All right. Good then. Hey, Ethan, I want to address something with you because I had this question over the weekend and I answered it the best I could, and somebody just sent me a message. They're fighting about it on Facebook again. No big surprise. Um, I had a caller who had, <laughs> I don't even remember the details of it, but some sort of an electrical failure truck wouldn't start. Um, they unplugged the ELD, and the truck started just fine. If they plugged it back in, it would shut off. So they were claiming the ELD was causing the problem. My thought was, unless somebody really programmed some sort of goofy ELD, if you can even do that, that it wasn't the ELD itself. It was probably the port or the wiring. And and by plugging any device it's in, almost, you would probably have the same effect, right? Yes. It sounds like they were grabbing the ignition wire or some sort of power wire that was actually needed for the ECM uh, to start the truck. Because you don't want to directly wire those to the key switch, I wouldn't think so. Because the key switch wire goes to the ECM, and if you have too big of a draw on it from like a device like an ELD, it can actually drop the voltage below where the truck will start. Got it. And that's what I thought, that it wasn't the fact that we have an ELD. It's the fact that there's been some sort of a wiring issue or a connector issue that, you know, I said, probably plug in the scan gauge on this truck. It might do the same thing. That, it, that it's not the ELD itself causing. So now people are claiming that they're causing emissions and engine failures and all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> I've been getting questions nonstop, especially today, since I didn't know that they uh, initially mandated it right away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, my last week wasn't much fun, but I've been getting a lot of calls on wiring them. And can this happen? Can this happen? I'm having this problem. 
but at the moment, I'm getting a ton of calls about them. I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah, that's going to be fun. All right, let's head off to Georgia. Frank, welcome to the program. Yes, I'm toying with the idea of buying a 14 or 15 Cascadia fleet truck. And I was wondering, can that truck be uh, fixed where the the uh, the yeah, the DPF and all that stuff would work good? The emissions. Well, that that already works pretty good on those. Uh, Detroit's done a really nice job with that system. Is probably the most reliable out there. Uh, oh, don't you? So, but don't, don't some people come in having the ECM rework so it would help out or something like that or what? Oh yeah, well we could do some tuning on that. We're still working. That's the uh, EPA fourteen and up. We're not. We don't have a off the shelf for tune for that right now. Ethan's got some stuff he's working on and we've got a test truck coming in over the holidays. We're going to do some work with, uh, we do keep all of the emission controls functional, but we uh, do make it work a little bit better. So we get, uh, you know, take out some of the, uh, uh, annoyances, shall we say, uh, D rates and things like that here and there. And we can do, uh, you know, but we keep everything fully functional and we find you some more horsepower too. Yeah. Yeah. So how much, What's the uh, uh, price range, and do you need to make an appointment to bring it in and all that kind of stuff? You will. Keep listening to the show. We'll let you know when we're ready with that tune. Uh, I'm looking toward February probably. Uh, you can make an appointment, okay. and the tune's going to cost uh, $2,250. Okay. All right. That's about it. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. All right. We're, uh, hey, I should stay away from Facebook. I swear. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just happened to look down cause I knew you were going to answer that question. And somebody was commenting on the Amtrak crash yesterday, which, which was right here. Uh, not far from where I live. Um, we're yeah. up in that area all the time. I've been on that train, not that particular train, but I've been on that run. We've taken the train from Seattle, Portland to Seattle and Vancouver. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful drive. But somebody said, Here, here's their, their point. Um, Amtrak is saying the automatic speed reduction equipment wasn't turned on. Kevin, Kevin Rutherford keeps saying autonomous vehicles will be much safer. Well, I do keep saying that. And you just made my point. It was the human that decided to go 80 exactly. miles an that, hour. That was human error. Exactly. He, he decided to go <laughs> 80 miles an hour in a 35 zone, and the safety equipment wasn't turned on. Had it been, the autonomous technology probably would have saved all those lives. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, the, the, the autonomous would have been fine. I, I, I trust computers. I really do. Oh, well. <laughs> Especially once you work up a few little bugs. Yeah. They're very repeatable. That, yep. That's exactly the whole point. With humans, we have a thousand variables. We're not consistent at anything. We're good at thinking and problem solving, but we are very, very bad at repetitive tasks because we, we don't pay attention. So many things can go wrong. Once you program a computer to do something, it's going to do it right. About a million times, you know, without a failure. 
And then when you have a failure, you're going to figure it out and you're going to fix it. So, you know, the argument, I, I understand again why people are afraid of the autonomous technology. I get it. But it, it's not the safety you should be afraid of. What you should be afraid of is it is going to put people out of jobs. That That's what you need to pay attention to and figure out. But the safety, it, it's just like all the cars. Like I said, I went and looked at the cars. There's no question that technology is saving lives. The automatic braking, the lane departure warnings, all of those things are already saving lives. Yep. Oh, and in in some ways, they're creating jobs too. It's just different jobs. That's, you, you know, absolutely. That, that stuff. Right. Know, there are engineers. There are teams of engineers working on developing that technology. There are, you know, these are all people that are making money and contributing to our economy. It, it, it's there's there there are plenty of jobs. You know, in there's going to be different jobs, so be be prepared. As, you know, the reason I like to talk about this is you you know every we need to get our head you know collectively our our heads out of the sand. I feel mine's pretty far out, but uh, you know you have to be ready. You have to know, and you have to maybe start doing some studying. You know, or or teach your children well, as I like to say. I you know, I'm a big believer in education. I mean, teach teach your kids. You know, get get ready. And there's a ton of opportunity out there. There's just so much. Uh, for a technical-minded person right now, that's amazing. I read an article on it was a Google or Alphabet self-driving car, mm-hmm. and the number one accident that it occurred was being rear-ended by a human driver. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's stoplight. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, John, you make a good point. The car is programmed. Go ahead, Ethan. The car was programmed to pause a second before accelerating on a green light. And the human drivers tend to slam the gas on a green light, <laughs> and they kept running into the back of the car. Right? Didn't accelerate quick enough. Yeah. So, you know, John, if we look at the trend over the last 30, 40, 50 years, we started graduating in this country a lot more lawyers than engineers and scientists and mathematicians, which was a really bad trend for us. Many other countries started graduating more engineers and mathematicians and scientists and, and taking those jobs here. But let's just look at the, the history of trucks. When I started 32 years ago, I'm trying to th- I don't think there was a truck sold anywhere in the United States that wasn't built here, was there? I'm trying to think. I don't believe so back every, then. Every brand 30 years ago yeah. would have been an American brand. I can't think of any that weren't. Maybe it, you know you still saw some Mercedes, those Mercedes cab over straight jobs on True. the furniture company. Yeah, I think that was about all that. Yeah, you're right. I wasn't alive. Right. <laughs> you weren't alive yet. <laughs> That's alive right. Yet. Yeah. yeah you, so if but we I look at those things, still being pretty abundant back in back in the early eighties. Yeah, but that was it. That was the only that, one. Yeah. Right. You're right. So if we look at that, all the trucks were American made. They've all disappeared or been bought by foreign companies. And now we, mm-hmm. what do we have left? Packar and International, um, those are the only two, and I can't even keep track of who owns who anymore. Um, and some well, of the, the, well, International was just bought by Volkswagen, weren't they? That, it doesn't doesn't uh, didn't VW right. just buy well, controlling interest in, in uh, I Navistar? Think, I think so. You're right. So. Yeah. So so, so, so that that may have ended as well. Yeah, that wasn't a great trend. But let's look at the three new companies that we could see semis on the road here. We have Thor, Tesla, and Nikola. They're all American companies. Yep. That's a good trend. Yeah. That's a good trend. And we're starting to get 
I believe more and more engineers involved in a lot of this technology, and that's what you're saying. There's going to be new jobs, and probably better. Well, not probably, they will be. People just need to get prepared for them, or get your kids prepared for them, or your grandkids. That's what's coming. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Ruth. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. We're going to get right back to the phones. We're off to Utah. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. John Ethan. Thank you guys for taking my call. You're welcome. What can we help you with today? Well, I got an oil sample there, and I had a couple questions about it and then also a comment. But I guess the first question would be what you think of this latest one. Uh, let's see. So this It's an ISX what year? It's a 16. Okay. And about... 326,000 on the truck and about 27,000 on the sample. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And do you have an OPS? I do not. I I have the spinner too on it. Okay. All right. Uh, Everything looks clean. I mean, I'm not seeing anything at all. It's uh, no fuel dilution, no soot. Uh, this is a 10 W 30. So your viscosity at 11.9 is right on, um, bases down low, but that's common. Again, these new oils are doing that. It, it's they're They may even already be adjusting their numbers cause you're down at 3.8 and they haven't flagged it at all. So that's a good sign. Um, no wear metals, no coolant, no dirt, nothing to, uh, Wait a minute. I just looked back on the last sample. The one you did in September, was your lead at 206 back then? Is that right? Yes, it was. That was going to be my comment. Yeah, that base number. (sighs) Looking at those, that one was bad. It was eating the main bearings. I ended up putting main bearings in this. That's why the new sample. Okay. Yeah, the new sample looks good. I just happened to glance back at that old one and saw... Saw that 206, the base was down to 1.44. Two problems I see, though. You were at 86,000 miles on that sample. I I don't recommend extended drains with the spinner. I think the spinner is an excellent additional filter, you know, to keep our oil clean. But it doesn't seem to do well with extended drains Although I wouldn't have expected that kind of a failure at eighty six thousand miles, um, I, I would. Yeah, because I had called you on that. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kevin. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say I had called you on that second one when the base was at two point three eight. Right. Because I was kind of concerned, you know, that it that it went from the green to the orange, and, and we were talking about how these new oils are coming with, you know, they're showing up with a lower base number, so we weren't too concerned about it, so that's why I ran it a little bit further, but man, that was definitely not a good idea, because like I say, the main bearings, I ended up replacing them. Here's the other thing, though. Um, If we look back at that that last sample where the base was 1.44, oxidation wasn't bad, nitration wasn't bad, there were no, no fuel dilution, no coolant, um, no real soot. So, John, even if the base is low, I guess if the oil gets acidic enough, is that what's attacking the bearings? 
That's what I, I'm not sure. You know, when I took it to the shop, of course, Cummins, I, I showed them that sample. And, of course, they jumped right on right away and made me pay for it and said they weren't going <laughs> to warranty the engine if I didn't replace those mare bearings. Well, that. But they never really gave me no... You know, other than they said it was my fault for running it too long, you know. Well, so, here, here's the thing, and I've talked about this many times. People will, people will say, does the OPS void your warranty? Absolutely not. Neither does the spinner. And, and if we have an engine failure and we can show them oil samples where there was nothing out of spec, then they can jump up and down and scream all they want that, you know, you ran your oil too long, but we can prove it wasn't the oil that caused the failure they are still on the hook for the warranty. But in this case, they could probably point at this oil sample and not that it's extended, but that the base had dropped so low. Um, and, and, but again, John, is this just acid attacking the bearing? It could be. Uh, I'm not I did some reading on that base number thing with these, this new spec oil, and evidently they've got a different measurement method as well now. So the thing that that I read said the base is actually not as low as it seems to be by the number. Right. But there's a whole different, uh, what is it, ASTM certification thing. that, And they gave an equivalency to the previous. So, you know, the lab should change their method for, for flagging it. And so the base, even though the number is lower, still has its resistance to the, the acid and the oxidation. So I, I'm not, uh, not going to be convinced of that. Uh, that it was that it was you know something became acidic or there was some moisture in the crankcase of some sort or you know if the breather is not working properly I know the Cummins has a breather on it but it's got a sensor there that would tell it if it wasn't breathing properly yeah if it got yeah, too restrictive too restrictive it would know if they're a light and D right yeah. right 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 so um, I, I guess it could be with the base number being low but if this is one of the modern oils with the new you know with the new method if it's not then then definitely it was acid. But I've been, uh, I read an article, I should forward it to you. I'll, I'll find it again after we're done with the show and send it to you. But evidently there's a different scale now, basically. Yeah. Hmm. For that. And they gave equivalencies. Yeah. So, I... and what did they look like? Was it just wear? Did they look oxidized? Did it look like they'd sat out in the weather or something? What did the, what did the bearings look like? What did the, what did the mains look like? You know, they never did show them to me, but they told me when they dropped the pan, there was actually, you know, it was glitter and there was, there was definite, uh, what I would say, shavings or whatever, but they never showed me anything. Never showed me the bearings, the oil, or nothing. They just, just replaced them. You know, I just. So yeah, that would have been from acidity. I've seen bearings that were attacked by by acidity and oil. And they they have a, uh, they really change colors. They're not that the nice uh, uh, polished look. They they look really. They look like you sat them out in the weather. I mean, they look they look weathered wow. almost. Uh, yeah. So, but if you if you had glitter. To me, that means something else. You've got uh, some sort of foreign substance in there. Something was going on. Yeah, I, but we didn't the, see what's the, what did the rest what did, what did the rest of that analysis look like, Kevin? It looks good. Any, I mean, we how was, the, how was the iron? You know, the iron was at sixty-one with eighty-six thousand miles. That's nothing. I mean, that's not a problem. Uh, we had a little yeah, bit not, of that's not horrible. Chromium at three, no nickel, aluminum at four, copper at twenty-two. But that's because we got into the copper on the bearing. Tin, the bearing. Tins you at, got into the copper on the bearing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Tins at one. Silicon was at ten, a little high. But again, when you run eighty-six thousand miles with just a spinner. You're going to get those kind of contaminants in there. I, you know, again, it the, it does some great oh, things, sure. but it I don't believe it's good for extended drains. 
Any potassium? There is virtually no sodium or potassium. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, 15 on the sodium, 8 on the potassium. That's nothing. Nothing, no. Yeah, I, I just... The 10 on the silicone is nothing. No. I, no, I, I just don't see anything in here that would have caused a bearing failure. And shavings. So were they wait, worn wait, evenly wait. across the border? Was there one? Was there one specific one? Was it? Was it? Did they tell you if they were just all worn, or were they? Uh... Um, boy, you know, I think that they pulled. For some reason, they pulled like three and five at first. And if I remember, I don't have to look at my worksheet, but I think that they said that those two were the worst. But they did end up replacing them all. But I think three and five, if I remember right, definitely were. And and your oil pressure is always good. You don't have any issues with that at all. It's you know after I put that spinner on there, it dropped down just a smidge, like maybe two or three pounds. Okay. But because um, it used to hold right at forty, and then after I put that on there, it dropped down just a little bit. And even now, watching it's probably running about thirty eight, thirty nine pounds now. But this is a pretty recent oil change on it. Yeah, See, I'm more I'm more inclined to think that uh, getting some air into the oil pickup or something. I, I yeah, like a, some sort of starvation issue or something else going on. Uh, did they put new O rings on the uh, on the oil pickup when they did it? I don't know. I didn't look okay. at that parcel. All, all right, that close. See, the spinner now, the spinner has air pressure going to it, but I put a regulator on it and backed it way down because I had wondered about that, too. And I've got it right. running about 15 pounds or something. You think that still might be No, that, that's not going to hurt it. That's just, that, just, okay. that just runs a little air motor in there that spins the centrifuge around, and then that oil that comes out of the spinner is should just simply be returned to the crankcase. It shouldn't ever end up uh, back into the uh, oil galley. So that should have time to, to de-aerate when it gets back into the engine. No problem. So I wouldn't do that. Uh, All right. Keep an eye on it. I would just keep an eye on those samples. Uh, I'd maybe sample a little more often and, uh, and and watch for a trend. Yeah, and I with just a spinner, I wouldn't go past 25,000 on your drains. If you want to go longer, I'd certainly get some sort of true bypass, uh, preferably an OPS. We'll... Uh, We'll have to wrap this up. We're all out of time. We'll do it again real soon. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Ethan and John and Pittsburgh Power. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.